Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I've got another wonderful show lined up for you today. According to a study by the Government Accountability Office, workers aged 55 and older have experienced consistently, excuse me, consistently longer periods of an unemployment than younger workers as employers seek cheaper labor, labor and look to skirt potentially higher health care costs. Workers in their 50s are about 20% less likely than workers ages 25 to 34 to become reemployed. My guest today is one of the over 50 crowd who found himself without income after steady financial stability. He went from rock bottom to totally reinventing himself and is here today to share his story and encouragement. I'm delighted to welcome author, public speaker and trainer Chris Vaca to the show. Chris, welcome to Don't Box Me In today. Lina, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you for for being with me. I, I truly appreciate your time. Um, so, just out of curiosity, um, we're going to just get in here and get started. Um, your turning point in life happened when you were fifty six years old. But I want to start off with how life was before that. Um, you were in the mortgage business. Is that a field that you like always been in? No, no. I I got that in late when I was about I say in my early fifties, maybe fifty one, fifty two, around there. Uh, before that, I had a variety of jobs. I mean, I I was a car salesman. Uh, I sold vacuum cleaners door to door. I was in construction. I did <laughs> I did a lot of things before I got into. So that. you so you were the uh, Kirby man. A lot of the were you the Kirby man? Electrolux. Oh, okay, okay. A lot of young folks today don't know about the door to door vacuum sales guy. Nobody, nobody trusts you. Nobody's in the gym anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's really not that safe, but uh, I think that was kind of a, a comforting, familiar sight to see, you know, the, the knock on your door and like, okay, he's going to tie up mom for the next hour so I can get away with pretty much anything now. But, yeah. uh, well, yeah. Pretty, yeah, I'll tell you, back then, Electrolux was a big name and a lot of people owned Electrolux and a lot of people welcomed me in. So, it, you know, it wasn't all that bad. Like I say, now you couldn't do it, but back then it, yeah. was, uh, it was pretty good. And of course, uh, and I don't know what it is about this show, but I hear the New Yorker accent. I, I have had the pleasure of having a lot of New Yorkers on my show. So you're uh, from New York, I hear? Born and raised, New York City, the Big Apple. The Big Apple, the Big yeah. Apple. So I, um, I live in Florida, but. Uh, oh, okay. What what brought you to Florida, if I can ask? Well, what happened was I was uh, actually. I was selling Florida real estate at the time. I was for a company working for a company that sold Florida real estate. And uh, I happened to buy a condo down in Florida uh, with my wife. I, I was married at the time. And we had it for a year. We were renting it out. And then we were sitting down one time. I said, you know, why don't we go down? We'll try it out. And if we don't like it, we'd always come back. And uh, that was in 1986. And uh, I've been down here ever since. <laughs> Much better weather than New York, right? Oh, yeah. Except that I'll tell you that. I still can't get used to the summers down here. They're brutal. I mean, oh, the, really? the humidity is, is just unbelievable. It really is. Oh. But other and than I, that, I'm, it's nice. I'm supposedly not as uh, many, the wonderful eateries and stuff like that that you're used to in New York. New York has a, a vibrant culture that I guess you can't really get in Florida. I'm still a city boy at heart. 
I mean, I, love, well, I, I have my family up there still. You know, I go back. I go back to the city. We go around. I mean, I just love the excitement. It's 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 in me. It really is. Yeah. Some people come okay. down here and they settle in. Not me. Not me. Yeah. I'm restless. I mean, you know, and I guess, um, you know, Florida, you, what you hear, Florida is stereotypically the the 50 and older crowd kind of place to be, I guess. Well, I'll tell you, when I first moved down here in 86, it was it was pretty deserted, this part of town. Right? I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Port St. Lucie area. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's near West Palm Beach, big area. But when I moved down here, it was, it was hardly anything here, anything. Hmm. I, it grew and grew and grew every year, and now it's, it's, it's tremendous. It really is. Okay. A, lot of, okay. a lot of young people, a lot of young people. Okay, okay, good stuff. So you said you um, segued into the mortgage industry. What year was that? Uh, let's see, what year was that? That had to be 2003, maybe. Okay, yeah, okay. Around, around that time. Okay, so I guess 2003, so it was very profitable for you right from the get-go because... Right after that, I'm, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly, the market took a dump sometime thereafter that, right? It was shortly after that? It took a dump in 09 is when it oh. took it. So, I, I mean, I had a nice run. I, I had, you know, my own business. It wasn't a big business. It was me and maybe three other people, but we all made a good living. Okay. I mean, Florida was booming. Uh, they expected it to to be booming for the next 20 years because, you know, all the all the crowd retiring, the baby boomers moving down here. And it, it was supposed to be uh, – uh, I planned on retiring with, the, yeah. with my, you know, my mortgage business. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't, didn't work that way. Yeah, I have a um, – she's my second mom, and she lived in Jersey all of her life. And then she relocated to Florida with the same intention. She bought a couple of pieces of property. Um, but it – Right when she moved down there was when the market just really took a dive. And now she just she's sitting on property that she just really can't do anything with. Now, um, I think that was really a sad state of affairs that happened to a lot of people. Like I said, you plan your retirement around these investments. And then, you know, when they they go south, you're like, OK, well, what do I do now? I mean, that's just kind of a devastating thing there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, when I was doing mortgages, there were people coming and buying lots in the area here for over 100,000. Mm. All right, and you know, after the thing hit, you couldn't even sell them for fifteen thousand, ten thousand. Wow! You know, uh, so it, it devastated a lot of people. It was really rough, especially down in Florida here. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, the uh, articles that I've read, Florida was really one of the hardest hit areas when it came to that the, this crash of the mortgage industry. Yeah, it was. It okay, was, it was hardest hit. We, you know, we're just starting to come out of it now. Okay, so. Um, you, you mentioned before that, you know, business was good for that six-year stretch that you had. So that was going to be your retirement plan? That's that's what yeah, you had I, in place? Yeah, you because know, everything I heard, everything I was reading, that for the, like I say, the next 20 years, uh, business is going to be great because everybody's moving down here. And so I figured, well, you know, I've got nothing to worry about because I'll be retired by then. I could sell the business or leave it to one of my kids or, you know, or something. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, boo-boo. Did, didn't happen like that. No. So, no. So how did the how did the events play out? So it's 2009 and it crashes, but I'm assuming everything didn't fall apart in one day. What what no, is the it, it, the? it was a little by little. I mean, uh, just to give you an idea, I had um, I had three pages of banks that I used to deal with. Okay, and one by one they started to drop off. When I finally closed my 
my mortgage business, okay, I had maybe four banks that I was still dealing with. Oh, uh, wow. So uh, that, that process was how long between, how long before you, you closed down? I'd say about, uh, had to be maybe a year and a half, close to two years. Okay. I mean, my, so, my top year, I was doing over $100,000 in income. Okay. okay. My, la- my last year, I did 19000 Oh, painful. Oh, that has to be a painful adjustment. Yeah, of course, because, you know, I'm living my life like I'm making $100,000, and then all of a sudden I dropped down (laughs) to 19, so it was, uh, it was rough. It was really rough. Yeah, it's okay. How do I I go from that? I mean, and then conversely, it's the same situation you have with, you know, maybe like your athletes. They go from nothing to something, you know, but in yours, it was the flip to go from something to nothing. And, you know, how to make that adjustment so quickly, you know, I have all of this disposable cash to like, okay, is it going to be the gas bill today or am I going to eat? You know, that's a. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing that goes. Uh, and I talked to a few people that were in similar situations where they lost their job or something like that. There's mm-hmm. always the cable. Cable is the mm-hmm. first thing to go <laughs> because you know you could you could sort of live without cable. But uh, if you lose your cable, you know the rest is just <laughs> downhill from there, yeah, right? It's downhill. <laughs> I mean, you know, because eventually what happened? I mean, I tried to stay afloat. You know, I had a little bit of savings I used. I'm maxing out my credit cards because I figured I'd keep the business going until things turned around again. But you know, it, it just didn't happen. So eventually, I just, you know, I got evicted from my apartment. Uh, I had my car repossessed. And wow. I even had to turn to my ex-wife for uh, a place to live. So it was it was kind of humiliating for me. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, what's the conversation? How does that go? You know, knock, knock, you know, ex, I know we're not together, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> Can I crash at your yeah. spot? Is, is that... Is that oh, how that I'll works? You, that day that I I hit her door, I had my bags in hand, and I'm standing at the door. I felt like a whipped puppy. I really did. It was, <laughs> it was rough, but she, but she knew all along. I mean, she knew what was going on in the uh, you know in the in the industry and in the, in the, okay. the whole the whole thing. I mean, she she just knew, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it wasn't really much of a surprise. I sort of were making hints the last couple of months. I was sort of dropping <laughs> hints, you know. So. Uh, it, it was no surprise to her, really. But we, the good thing is we always kept on, on friendly terms because, you know, we have three kids. And okay. so um, it, it, it worked out. It worked okay. out. Okay. Okay. And I guess, you know, that is always um, anybody's saving grace in times of trouble is to have people that you can turn to, uh, you know, when you're just down on your luck. I mean, I think that that kind of makes everything a little bit easier, you know. Yeah. Even having and, to go from 100000 to 19000 uh, a year. So... You're making nineteen thousand dollars the last year. So yeah. then it goes to nothing. I'm it assuming, right? It goes to right? nothing, zero. As a matter of fact, I was negative about uh, thirty thousand dollars. You know, because maxing out my credit cards and everything like that. So I was I was in a negative. So it, oh. uh, it, I was I was hurt for a while. I mean, I was I was really beat up. And, wow. Uh, you know, so I, I'm just curious, though. So you, you you knocked on your ex's door and she's allowed you to, you know, I don't know, sleep on the couch or whatever. You're negative 30,000 because you're living off of your credit cards. Um, but like you have to eat. Right. Um, yeah. How are you? How is any income coming in at this time? There was nothing there was at nothing, all. Nothing. And, you know, I felt sort of bad staying at my wife's house because I wasn't contributing anything. But in a way, it, it really worked out a little bit for her because I became like the housemaid, you know. 
I, when she went to work, I'd uh, clean up the house, make sure everything was good. I made dinner, okay. made dinner was on the table when she came home. So the roles were like reversed, you know. So, okay. Uh, it worked out for her. She would never admit that, but uh, <laughs> it, it was okay for her to, you know. <laughs> okay. So at least she got something, you know, yeah, out of the yeah, deal while you true. were in the process of, of collecting your thoughts and getting yourself back together there. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So... While you're you're sitting there at your ex-wife's house, what kind of plans did you start to think about to kind of get yourself back on your feet there? Well, what I, I naturally what I did, I, I, I wanted to stay in the uh, mortgage industry or financial industry because that's what I've been doing. That's what I knew. So I started to send out resumes. I sent out a ton of resumes. I mean, I 50, 60 resumes I sent out, and I got back a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was it was a little frustrating, and I started to realize, well, hey, you know. Maybe it's because of my age. I mean, I'm no mm. chicken anymore. You know, we live in a, in a young society. All the, you, know, you have to have look young. You have to act young and everything like that. So the only thing I had to do, I mean, I had no car because that was repossessed. And I don't live in a big metropolitan area where they have uh, buses and subways and things. You know, it's not like New York. So I was sort of stuck in the house. And the only thing I had was a computer. So mm-hmm. that's that's after I started, after I got over myself, got a, you know, I felt a lot sorry for myself and I beat myself up a little bit. Uh, but I started to do some research on online. And uh, one of the things I found out that there was over four billion, that's a billion would it be, four billion dollars a year is generated online. Mm. And I said, wow, I said, I got to get me a little piece of that, <laughs> you know. And uh, that's when I turned to the internet and started to learn that, which was which was kind of hard for me because I was never really computer savvy. You know, us old old timers, we're not uh, (laughs) too illiterate with the computer, so I had to learn a whole new thing, Uh, new terminology. I had to learn how to navigate around the computer, and so that took some time for me. It's very that was very frustrating. It really was. I mean, there were days I wanted to pick up that computer and just throw it out the window. <laughs> Slang it against oh, the wall. <laughs> yeah. Do a dance on top of it and, you know. Like, forget it. this. Well, Chris, I want you to hold on. We're going to take our first break of the day. We'll be right back with more Chris Vaca after this commercial break. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am with Mr. Chris Vaca today. He has a wonderful uh, website, Over 50 and Broke. And before the break, we were talking about uh, the process of him getting back on his feet after losing everything during the mortgage crash. And you mentioned something that I kind of want to ask some more about you were sending out resumes, and you said you felt that you were getting a lot of no's uh, because you were in the over 50 bracket. Now, to me, it would seem that you would want some, as an employer, you would want somebody who's experienced, who knows what they're doing, than to hire somebody who's, like, wet behind the ears. Why is it that you think it's harder for 50 and older to get employment? Well, one of the reasons, I think, is that um, if, if if I'm looking for a, a – um a, uh, an employee. I want somebody that either I'm, I'm going to train and most importantly is going to stick with me and, and mm-hmm. work with me for a while. I think, you know, if somebody's older, like, you know, 50, 60 years old, you're really not going to be working that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what goes on. I mean, I don't know why people, re- you know, rejected my resume. I mean, 
I had a good resume. I obviously, I own my own business. Uh, maybe one of the things was, well, I had a failed business, so maybe <laughs> this guy's a failure. Let's get rid of him. You know, him. <laughs> no, you no, know? but you knew what you. And like I said, you came to the table with, you know, you were doing so much before the mortgage industry. So I'm pretty sure you had a very well-rounded resume. It would just seem like, you know, somebody would look at it and say, okay, this is somebody we want on our team. You know, he's very well-rounded. Um, but I think your situation is something that. I hear over and over again with a lot of 50 and older crowd that it's very hard for them to um, either get rehired after being misplaced in a job or to re-enter into the workforce. I mean, it's just very problematic for them. So, um, yeah, I was I was talking. You know, at, at first, I thought I was unique. It was uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going through something unique here. But as I develop my, you know, I finally developed my website over 50 and broke. And one of the things I do is I try to help people, advise them to get back on their feet. And, and talking to a lot of these people is, I'm not unique. <laughs> Same thing happened to them. <laughs> you know, not maybe losing a, a business, but they lost their job. And, uh, you know, so I wasn't unique. And there was a lot of people in, in the similar situation that I was in, you know. And um, it, it, it amazes me how many people there were wow. in, in similar wow. situation. And uh, like you read those stats in the beginning of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably a lot worse than that, than, you know, than yeah. you were reading. Yeah, because I think a lot of people just give up and, and stop being a part of the reported process. So, um, but lucky for us, though, you, you kind of didn't wallow in it. You kind of slowly crawled yourself out of your slump and started putting the pieces back together. And um, before the break, you were mentioning, you know, the computer that you wanted to slam against the wall from time to time, you know, <laughs> and I find it cute because I meet so many people. 55, 60 and older. And, you know, I'm like handing them my business card and it's like, okay, well, email me sometimes. And they're looking at me like I don't even have an email. So I think, you know, embracing this new technology, which will propel you forward, might be um, something that a lot of 50 and older crowd find as, uh, you know, sort of a hindrance. But, you know, you had to do it and you got in there. And what kind of ways was it with the computer that you started to change your life around? Yeah, I'll tell you, it was amazing because when the computer first started getting big, I was <laughs> talking about being old-fashioned. I was one of those guys that say, yeah, it's just a fad. It's never going to work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they throw this new computer's Internet. What's this Internet? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I eventually, when, when I got into it, I, the most amazing thing to me and still to this day is that it, it, it reaches all over the world. Yes. I mean, you, you know, you might be working out of your living room or your bedroom or something, but you reach everybody in the world. And yes. one of the things that's still amazing me, like every every morning, the first thing I do is I go on a computer and I check the stats on my on my websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I get people from England, yes. Russia, uh, New Zealand, Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all around the world, people are hitting on your site, and it, mm-hmm. it's just it may to this day it still amazes me. Yeah. yeah, I think that is the beauty of where we have come to. I mean, there are some set, some drawbacks to it, but like you said, the ability to reach people that we never would have come in contact with before. I mean, I just think that's a wonderful opportunity that the Internet exposes us to. Yeah, it, it, like I say, to this day, it still amazes me. And mm-hmm. um, and I don't think a lot of people my age realize when they a lot of people when I when I talk to them that, that are, were in similar situations is that, you know, if they, when you talk to them about starting their own business right away, they start thinking, well, I don't have enough money to, to you know, yeah. open up a store, 
and you know have a bit a building and everything like mm-hmm. that and and it's it's sort of hard to grab the concept that no you do it right after you're living right yeah off, yeah right you're kind of existing in this little yeah. you know open space you know and uh, you know like i said it's very hard for you to transition from you know your set ways to this new technology um you know, yeah. just bringing my dad, my dad, what is this, 2014, my dad will be 64 this year. He refuses, absolutely positively refuses to, like, do Facebook or Twitter and, you know, somebody wants to talk to me, they just better call me on the phone, you know. Hey, so, I'm, I'm still like that. Just, I mean, I just started know, a Facebook page uh, two months ago uh, for the first time. And, you know, I have a Twitter account, which I never really use. Uh, I don't text. I never text. I stop like your father. You want to talk to me? Call me and talk to me like a human being, not like some robot or a computer, you know? You know, but, uh, you know, especially when you enter into the business world online, you know, some of this stuff you just have to embrace because it's going to be a part of your success or your failure because everybody uh, connects with everybody using these like outlets. So, you know, um, it's just, it's just, and, and it's so hard to, like I said, embrace when you come from a different generation, a different era. So, you know, it is a struggle, um, that might hold a lot of people back in a certain age bracket. So, you know, I just think it's commendable that, you know, you sat down and stuck with it. And, uh, you know, I, you yeah. created some wonderful YouTube videos that I was checking out there. How, oh, how did that come that? about? Well, after I, um, after I started to make a little money, which by the way, you know, let me just say one thing. When I started, uh, uh, people started to contact me for help and everything like that. So many people these days um, looking for instant gratification. Mm-hmm. All right. When I tell them that, you know, if, once, if you start an internet business, don't expect to make money right away. Because it took, it took me seven, eight months before I got my first check. Okay. All right? And when you tell people that, you know, they, they, they seem to lose interest. They want, no, i got to have it now. i got to have it now. But it's just like any other any other thing in life, any other business. If you take the time and your effort, you put it in, it'll gradually build itself. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, I mean, I hardly have to do anything anymore on the Internet because it's pretty much all set up. And, uh, you know, the checks come in when they come in. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I built it. It took time. I had to go through seven, eight, nine months of, of no money before I got my first check. And my first yeah. check, by the way, was $34. <laughs> You know? <laughs> it bought a little bit of groceries, though. Just well, a little... what I did, I felt, you know, I was living at my, like I say, my ex-wife's house, which actually was my house. She got it in divorce, right? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, sort of for $34, I took her out to dinner. We went out to oh, like, a, okay. like an Applebee's, you know, inexpensive yeah. place. And I said, let me buy you dinner. So oh, cool That's what stuff. I used it for. As much as I, I want, I really wanted to keep that check and frame it. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, nah, let me, let me take her out to show my appreciation a little bit, you know? Cool. And, you know, you, you brought up a very uh, important uh, fact. You know, we are living in a very, you know, everybody wants gratification instantly. I mean, that seems to be the culture today. They want it and they want it now. And, uh, you know, that patience that it takes to kind of, you know, mold and, and, and grow something, you know, people don't really want to spend the time and not even in, in your generation, you know, even the young kids today, everybody just wants it now. And I think that's probably one of the things that kind of holds us back in a lot of areas in life. Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah. You know. at, at first, I thought it was, you know, when, when people tell me they, when they lost interest, when I, when, I, when I tell them that, I thought maybe they were thinking, well, listen, hey, I'm an old guy. I'm 60 years old. I don't have that much time to wait. <laughs> you know, I need something right now. You know, but then I saw more and more people doing that, even younger people when they contact mm-hmm. me. Um, 
they, they, they want it now. They've got to have that money now. I said, well, I said, then, you know, I'm afraid I can't help you. I can't wave a magic <laughs> wand and, and, you know, you're going to start bringing home $10,000 a month. It just ain't going to happen. No, it doesn't happen like that. You know, and I, I blame a lot of that on, um, you know, maybe like the reality TV shows that we have. And they're like, so you want to be a millionaire? So you want to be a star? People think, you know, they're nobody tomorrow. But in three days, they're somebody and everybody knows their name. And, you know, it's only a small percentage of people that that might even remotely happen to, you know. So but everybody feels that they have that chance, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to play the lottery because I'm going to be the winner, you know. So, yeah, okay, let me run the ratio, the odds by you, how many people actually do win the lottery. So Yeah, but the odds like one in <laughs> 20 billion or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on, let's, let's get another plan together here. Let's figure yeah. out how else we're yeah. going to work this out because that's probably <laughs> not a good option. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again, how did the YouTube videos come about, the over 50 and broke? Uh, how did that come about? Well, after I after I had a, f- a couple of websites up, I had actually had a uh, a buddy of mine um, that I was he had a website up and we st- uh, fitness site, and we started you know talking communicating with each other because during that month that I was living at my wife's house and uh, and just sitting on a computer, I put on like fifty pounds. Mm. So you know I went. I, I looked in the mirror and I said, no, this, this is no good. <laughs> I said, and I developed my own sort of diet and routine and everything like that to drop it because I couldn't stand looking at myself. Mm-hmm. So this one guy that I was conversing with, he had his, a fitness website. He said, I, you know, I, he told me his story. I told him my story. And he said, Chris, you know, you should really start a website or something to let people know your story because it's an inspiring story. And, and there's a lot of people in the same situation that might need help. So I thought about it, and I said, well, maybe he's right. So that's when I got the idea for Over 50 and Broke, the website. And I started that, and I said, well, what's what's the next step? Where can I go to the next level? And the next mm-hmm. level, I thought, well, let me start putting up some YouTube videos with, with, with advice. Um, you know, things I've learned, things I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what started the videos. You really embrace the new technology very well. Um, I'm very impressed. You know, YouTube is a very important key element in, you know, getting yourself out there. People want something visual to look at it as well as, you know, here. So YouTube is a very powerful tool out there for, I mean, a lot of people have, uh, reach stardom, you know, because of a simple YouTube video. So it's, it's very impressive that you kind of connected with the YouTube there. Yeah, well, you know, it is now, I, you know, if I do a video, I, I put it up, it takes me five minutes to put it up. The first, <laughs> the first video I put up took me like two, two and a half hours. I couldn't figure all these things out, you know, what to do, where to put it, and everything like that. You're like, but, like uh, how do they get those words on the thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hell, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, but uh, like said, it, it, was, it was rough. It was very frustrating. But, you know, if you stick with it, boom, you'll, you'll, it'll come for you. Good stuff. We're going to take a break right now. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Chris Vaca right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. 
Hello, hello. Today, Chris Vaca is uh, sharing his wonderful story with us. Uh, he lost his mortgage business at the age of 56, uh, was evicted from his apartment, had his car repossessed, and even had to move in with his ex-wife. But he did not let that keep him down. And he is sharing with how he reinvented himself. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the YouTube videos that you did. Um, you said you had put on like 50 pounds. And, you know, that's quite common a lot of us sitting around the house and weight becomes the issue um and i guess that's where the over 50 and having a ball those yeah that's that's when i started that um and what is that because over 50 and having a ball implies if you're listening to it it implies like you're out there and you're going to parties and you know you're on cruises and stuff but it's actually something very different correct yeah it's a it's just a play of having a ball because I used an exercise ball to okay. uh, to develop a routine and to, and to lose you know help me lose the weight uh, when I put on the pounds okay. and um, but you know that was just a little play on words I put together and okay. uh, it, it's something I show, I show people what I do what I develop myself into after losing fifty pounds uh, I show on a video that I do every morning I do uh, twenty handstand push-ups mm-hmm. okay. And I show that on the video, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm right now. I'm 61 years old. I still do it, mm-hmm. and uh, people are a little bit impressed with that. You know, that is impressive. That is impressive. I mean, I know, I know, 40 year olds who can't do that. So, <laughs> my son's 26 years old, and he can't do it. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so, you know, but I, yeah, did, I put that on. Matter of fact, that I I got the the. The idea of the, using the exercise ball, because at the time, like when I was 50 pounds heavier, uh, first of all, I, I, I was afraid to leave the house. Mm-hmm. All right? I didn't want anybody to see me. I mean, I was mm-hmm. afraid I was going to run into somebody. And, you know, even though they don't say anything, they give you could see their eyes giving you the once over and say, mm-hmm. boy, did this guy gets fat or what? You know? <laughs> and, uh, He's I a butterball now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to put up with that. But, uh, so, and, and at the time, I really wasn't making any money. So I mm-hmm. went over to, to Walmart to see what they had as far as exercise equipment. I, I needed something. And the, the cheapest thing there was the exercise ball for, mm-hmm. for $18. So I said, well, this is going to be it because this is what I could afford right now. And mm-hmm. that's how I got the ball. And I developed my own routine, went on a diet, uh, very strict diet. You know, I don't recommend anybody do this, but all I did okay. was eat, eat salads. That's all I ate for like three months was just salad, salad, salad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every now and then I'd dice up a chicken breast on the salad, but uh, that's about it. So okay. so a temporary vegetarian for a few months. Yeah, not anymore. Now I'm back okay. to steaks and meter. hamburgers and uh, all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> okay. So the um, process of saying, you know, hey, look, you know, I've, I've gotten too much weight on me. Let me go and try to do something about this. Did that happen before the first check came or after the first check came? Uh, it was right about during, right about that same time, right about that same time. And uh, as a matter of fact, when I, I told you I got that first check for $34, and uh, I, I, that actually motivated me. Okay. Keep going. A lot of people, a lot of people would just say thirty-four dollars. Oh, I ain't gonna do this anymore. How can, how can you live off that? But that thirty-four dollars actually motivated me because I said to myself, you know, if I can make thirty-four dollars doing this, I can make three hundred and forty dollars. If go. I can make three hundred and forty dollars, I can make thirty-four hundred dollars. If I can make thirty-four hundred dollars, I can make thirty-four thousand. And that's how my mind was going. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking ahead because at, at first I didn't think I really could make any money on it. 
But I, I said to myself, well, other people are doing it. Why can't I? <laughs> you know? And finally it did. And like I said, I, I got that motivation. And uh, you should have seen my wife's face when I showed her the first check. I, I was so happy. I said, hey, look, I got my first check, you know. And she was expecting some big check. And I showed her a check for $34, boy. You should have seen the look of disappointment on that face. <laughs> well, it's wonderful I, the two of you have a beautiful relationship and, and, and can be friends like that. I mean, I think yeah. that, that made the whole process better. So after the first amazing big $34 check came. How soon was it thereafter that the other check started flowing in? Uh, gee, it was about it was about a year and a half. It took me about seven, eight months to get that first check and a total of maybe a year and a half before I started seeing bigger checks like, you know, hundreds okay. of dollars. And uh, it was maybe uh, a, a total of two years from when I started to where I supported myself, had a nice income coming in, moved out of my ex-wife's house, got my own place, you know, it finally got to that point, but it, uh, it was a long time coming, but it was worth every minute of it, believe me, <laughs> I mean, uh, and I'll tell you, I would not, if, if I had the opportunity to go back into the mortgage business like it was, or, or keep, I would do what I'm doing now, the free, you have so much freedom when you, you know, when you work online like this. It's yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, though. You you would hope that your your day-to-day job uh, would give you some time to enjoy life. You know, sometimes people get caught up in work, 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 and then they look up and they are 60 and there's, you know, I've just let life slip me by. I haven't, I hadn't had any recreational time to enjoy yeah. my day-to-day. Yeah, and it's not, you know, I enjoy, you know, when I do seminars, I enjoy that. I enjoy meeting with the people, helping them and, you know, and it's I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I really do. So it was, losing my business was sort of like a blessing in disguise, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you say something very common that I hear from a lot of mortgage industry people that they would never go back to it. I mean, I guess that was such a painful experience when when the mortgage industry took a dump that it really ruined a lot of people's feelings for it. Yeah. Well, when it, when, when I was. When I was doing it, I mean, it was great. I mean, because <laughs> business was so good. You know, uh, my my business, the office I had was in a Century 21 building. Mm. So I had a lot of real estate agents just walking in and handing me customers. So it it was, you know, it was nice. But those days are gone. Gone. You know, and, and at the beginning of the show, we talked about how, you know, the mortgage mortgage industry was your retirement plan. I'm just curious now, as you reflect back on everything, uh, what advice would you give to younger people when it comes to setting up some sort of long-term financial goals for them? I mean, Open up an IRA. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, get, and get started right away. I, I never did that. You know, we never listened to our parents, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. my father gave me advice to put money away for your retirement and everything <laughs> like that. And just like I now give to my kids, so I had an IRA, you know, you're young, you're in your twenties, get, uh, you know, start because before you know it, you're going to be old. Ah, oh, dad, you know, I'm, I'm only 26 years old. What do I got to think about retirement for? I said, well, you mm-hmm. better start now or else you're going to wind up in the, you know, behind the eight ball. Yeah. I mean, in some of the resources that, People in my generation and above depend on like Social Security. I'm assuming it, uh, the way they're talking is not going to be around possibly for the younger generation. So they have to put some more plans, different plans in place to kind of feed themselves or put a roof over their head when they do get to be 70 years old. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, they, it, it's important. I mean, but look, I, I know what they're thinking. I mean, I was in my 20s. My, when, I was <laughs> 20, when I was in my 20s, I thought I was invincible. I thought I was, you know, nothing was ever going to happen to me. I could do anything I wanted. And who, nobody thought about getting old. But, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately you do. Because I remember my father telling me once, he said, Chris, take my advice. Never grow old. <laughs> and uh, I didn't listen to him. <laughs> that, that's the whole Peter Pan thing, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. I don't want to grow up. <laughs> it happens. We can't yeah. fight it. We can't that's fight right. it. That's right. Okay. So you moved out of your uh, ex-wife's house or your house. You know, she got it in divorce. Right. Uh, you guys you guys are still friends? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. So now you, um, you've written a couple of books there. I think the, one of them is, uh, age should never be an excuse for not succeeding. And you are truly an example of that. Uh, what, what will we find in that book? You know, it's how I got started. Let me tell you how I got started interested in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I had to learn when I was, uh, working, learning the internet and setting up sites, which you have to do these things called backlinks, mm-hmm. which, which you know, brings people to your site. And one of the ways you did it was you wrote articles. I started going on these online uh, chat rooms or whatever, article sites, and I was writing articles, and, you know, it brings people to your to your site. So after a while, I thought, you know, gee, I, I, I sort of enjoy this writing stuff, you know. And uh, so I, I started writing, and I said, uh, friend, actually a friend of mine asked me, he said, well, you know, you're doing all this stuff, you're doing all this writing, you went through all these hard times and everything. Why don't you write a book about it? And I said, well, hey, that's, that's, that's like a good idea. I think that'll be my next project. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what I did. And, that's okay. what I did. and it's, a, it's, it's a book of, I mean, there, there are things in there that, that, are, that, are, that are common sense, common sense things like, like persistence. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to be persistent in, in anything you do. You have to stick with it. I mean, there are some people that'll be a success in six months. That's great. There are other people like me. It takes two years. Well, that's great too. I mean, just some people it takes it. longer. Yeah, longer. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it takes, just stick with it and do what you have to do, and eventually it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. I know? mean, and I think you know, some of us carry around this this concept or this philosophy. You know, we've only got this certain period of time to you know make it happen, to make things snap, crackle, and pop. And if we miss our little small window of opportunity, you know, it's never going to happen for us. And you know, I'm assuming those are the types of things that you, you know, challenge people to to kind of redirect yeah. themselves with. As a matter of fact, you know. You know, you mentioned opportunity. One of the chapters I have in there is, is about recognizing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, opportunity is all around us, all the time. Okay? We, mm-hmm. ju- we just don't realize it. Sometimes it's, it's staring, staring us right in the face. I mean, one of the things I, I, I tell a little story in that chapter about when I was selling the Electrolux vacuum cleaners. Okay? Mm-hmm. One of the demonstrations you do is you take a, a pillow cushion off the couch you put it in a plastic bag and you suck it off and it and it shrinks the pil- pillow cushion down to nothing. Okay. Right now, I, I must have did that a hundred times in demonstrations, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And I don't know if I don't know if you ever seen in California, but here on the East Coast, they had this commercial about two years ago come out where that is a they're selling that now. They're selling the space savers, the bags, bags the space yeah. saver bags. Yeah. yeah. Did you see them? Yes. Uh huh. And I did that a hundred times. The opportunity <laughs> was there in my face. I never thought about doing it commercially. Uh, and and that's why I say 
opportunity is always staring you right in the face. You just got to know what to look for and take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, so much stuff we take for granted. I think um, I had posted on my Facebook not too long ago about, you know, somebody is a millionaire now off of the little plastic things that we put on the end of shoelaces. I mean, that's not really a a genius, brilliant idea, but somebody's a millionaire now off of that. Even what what I tell my kids, you were probably too young to remember this. I don't know if it was on the West Coast, but when back in the, I think it was maybe the early, early 1970s or something, they came out with this thing, this guy came out with this thing called a pet rock. Yes. He he took a rock, he put it in a box, and people were buying him like crazy. The guy became a multimillionaire over rocks. (laughs) You're like, I could have did that. That could have been me. Yeah, I mean, it was was unbelievable. (laughs) Stupid little ideas. I mean, it made this guy a millionaire. You yeah, know, so and like you know, say, like I said, I think I try to tell people all the time, you know, the opportunity is out there. It's out there at various points of your life. You know, if you did, if you missed your mark this time, you can, you can get it later. I mean, never give up. I mean, I mean and like I said, one, you are just truly a testimony one. to that. Exactly. If you miss one, there's another one to follow. Okay. Uh, the, the problem is too many people when they miss an opportunity or something, they, they uh, well, that just roll over me. and let it be. Yeah, yeah that, that was it for me. Um, I missed my chance. I'll never be anything <laughs> in life, you know. And then, <laughs> and then uh, well, you know, you can't think like that. You got to always be looking ahead, thinking that yeah. there's something better. Always, 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 always. Okay, well, we're going to take our last break of the day, and we get back. We're going to talk more about some of the books and uh, what you got on the pipeline. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, welcome back. Today I am with Chris Vaca. He is the uh, owner of the website Over 50 and Broke. And before the break, we were talking about opportunities and how you are never too old to take advantages of the opportunities in life that you have been given and reinvent yourself as Chris has. And uh, one of the things that you have done, not only are the, the YouTube videos, but you've written a few books. And they have yeah. some very interesting titles here. Uh, one of them we've already mentioned is Age Should Never Be an Excuse for Not Succeeding. Uh, but another one is Are the Golden Years Really Golden? And what's that one about? That I, just, <laughs> I wrote that one day. I was, I was sitting down and I was, I was listening to so, uh, a, a gentleman was, I was talking to. And uh, he was he was complaining to me about how how you know getting old sucks and it's bad <laughs> you can't do this and and you know and I said well I guess it's a matter of opinion you know so I, I just put together a bunch of stories um, a lot of uh, jokes and riddles and and mm-hmm. you know things like that and uh, some personal stories of my own how I look at uh, at at the goals the so-called golden years you know and uh, it it it, it did pretty well. I mean, a lot of people like it. I mean, especially like in this area, I know uh, a lot of people bought it because I'm in like a, uh, a retirement area right now. Okay. You know, so it, it did pretty well here. But, uh, you know, it was a fun book to write. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a, a good time doing a little reminiscing about uh, the differences between what it's like when I was a kid compared to now. You uh-huh. know, it's, it's like night and day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was, it's a good book. Uh, if, you, you know, know, if you're in your golden years, I think you might enjoy it. 
Okay. You know, and, and talking about the golden years and also everything that, you know, you've went through, um, a lot of times I hear people retiring at 65 only to have to, like, go back to work all over again. Um, yeah. Do you think there's some measures that people can take to not become a part of this cycle, or is this just going to be an inevitable process that we're all going to have to go through? Well, I'll tell you, you know, there's a lot of people that, that go back to work because uh, they need to because they need the income. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that go back to work because they, they just don't like retirement, Okay. Uh, which my father was a good example. He retired, and he moved to uh, to Arizona. And I remember him telling me, we were talking one time, and he said for the first six months it was great. You know, he did this, he did that. He did that. But after after that, he started to get antsy. He, You know, there was nothing to do. <laughs> so, you know, he went out and he got himself a part-time job, and he was like a part-time retired, you know, which which was perfect for him. He said he loved it, he liked working, and he liked to have his free time. So, uh, you know, it, it depends on the individual. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's very important. I mean, no matter what age you are, but, you know, you have to keep the mind active. You have to try to, you know, be involved with certain certain things, kind of learn new things like you did with the computer and stuff. And I think that keeps you vibrant even as we age. Yeah. And, you know, hey, if if you're rich, that's always a plus. I mean, you you know, you can (laughs) travel around the world or see the country or do like my my uh, my daughter's uh, in-laws. Okay, they're they're pretty well off. And they go on like maybe four four cruises a year. Uh, they're always running around doing something, you know. So the, if you have the money, you could, uh, you could do the things that you've always wanted to do your whole life. If not, well, what can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get some income coming. That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, and you know, I wanted to bring up. You you mentioned that you wrote articles for you know other blogs because we were talking about the backlinks and stuff like that. Right. Um, you offer some some tips and stuff uh, on your blog how did how did writing all of this motivational stuff start to come about uh it was like i said everything is is like was like a natural progression for me when i did Mm -hmm. one thing you know uh if somebody didn't mention well what about the next step Uh, i thought about it myself i said well what can i what can i do next Mm -hmm. Uh, see one of the things about i learned is Okay, it's great when you become successful, okay, in whatever you do, okay. But you have to you have to stay successful uh, because you could lose it just as fast as you make it. True. You know, so you always got to be looking ahead. What can I do next to keep me successful? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you develop that attitude, that mindset, that you always got to be looking ahead, doing something else better that's going to better you, mm-hmm. um, you won't have any problem in life. I mean, I. Yeah. I Personally, I don't think I'll ever retire. I, I can't see myself sitting on a porch, on a porch swing, you know, for seven days a week. Waiting for the grandkids to come by. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I just I can't see myself doing that. I'll always be doing something. I mean, you know, but um, I mean, I, I got my, uh, my daughter just had a baby uh, two months ago, my first grandchild. Congratulations. You know, daughter. And I, you know, I, at, first, I, at first, I was a little upset. <laughs> so what are you making me an old man for? You're making me a grandpa. You know, then, I'll tell you, when you see that little baby, you know, you just melt and you, you, you know, you're just happy that you have yeah. a grandchild, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so like I say, I, I'll, I don't think I'll ever retire. Um, I'll just work till I drop. You know, and that might be leftovers from, you know, what you learned from the mortgage in, mortgage industry, you know, to just not be dependent on, you know, just one thing to kind of, 
constant look for ways to diversify possibilities of income coming in because maybe this won't last for this long. So I have to, you know, rely on something else or something like that. So I think, you know, maybe that's where we, we learned some valuable lessons there. Yeah, and you know, you always hear stories about people retirement, retiring, and then eight months later they're dead. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You know, they just have nothing to do, and their, their life is over, and they just die. I mean, I, I read a lot of uh, uh, business books, motivational books, things like that, and one of the guys I read a lot of is Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, him being from the big New York guy, I'm from New York, and everything like mm-hmm. that. And his father always used to say, to retire is to aspire. And, mm. you know, that's... That's that's the way I think if you think so. It's 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 still up to the individual. Like I say, if yeah. you got the money and you could bounce around and have fun, that's great. But uh, if you don't, just keep busy. Keep You'll busy. You'll live longer. That's what you, that's what you're doing. Now I want to talk about this one book, and I know you say it's not for you know the ladies, but hopefully you can share a little bit of it with us. Um, and that would be Real Men Eat Salami. What's that book about? <laughs> I just did a, a radio interview about that book last week. <laughs> Uh, boy, did that lady attack me. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll try to be as, nicer. I'll be nicer. I wrote it as a goof. Okay. okay. Um, even in the, at the end of the book, I say I wrote it as, just to have fun and everything like that. It, it came about to me when, um, I don't know if you know that, uh, what's that big golf course in Georgia that, um, gee, I can't think of the name right now. But anyway, it used to be all men. It was all men mm-hmm. for like 120 years. And just they were forced to let women in there. <laughs> and, it, and it dawned on me, I said, what, what is so wrong with men having a place of their own where they could go and be with other men and, you know, curse and whatever <laughs> have they have. Have bonding know, do, time. Just yeah, let the testosterone flow, right? Yeah, man bonding, you know, slap each other on the back and slap each other with the towel in the <laughs> ass or whatever they do, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what is wrong with that? I said, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. And, uh, and you know, I went into the, the thing that the, the real war is on men. It's not on women. We always hear about the war on women, but the real war is on men, all right? Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, you're pushing women into this job, you're pushing women into that job, but who's getting pushed out when the women mm-hmm. are getting pushed in? The men. Yeah. So how could there yeah. be a war on women? Yeah, and you that know? could be a whole nother hour show, but, I it mean, could. that is a valid <laughs> point there. There's there's some definite male gender roles that are really being, you know, challenged. And, yeah. uh, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I got a lot, a lot of emails from women saying how much they enjoyed the book. They thought it was, they thought it was really funny. Uh, they, they really enjoyed it, which I, I, that's the way I wrote it. I wrote it a good natured book to, you know, to have some fun. But then I also got email from like the glorious Steinem <laughs> types, you know, <laughs> the very strong hang, feminist look, type. Oh, like, what you know? yeah. oh yeah. Looking to hang me, you know, but, uh, I wrote I it in good. fun, and, you know, if people take it the wrong way, well, it's nothing I can do about that, you know? You're going to have people who don't like your life. Oh, well, you're a New Always. Yorker. You can get used You're used to that, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Chris. Well, we are at the end of my hour here. Oh, it has so been soon? a pleasure. Um, my guest today has been Chris Vaca. Make sure to visit his website, over50andbroke.com, and that's with the number five and the number zero. Uh, get his books, read uh, what he has to say, watch his videos. Chris, it ha- I have had such a wonderful, wonderful time chatting with you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, Lana, it was great. I, I can't believe it was a whole hour went by. Already. <laughs> I know. It, it goes so fast. fast. Yeah. It goes so yeah. fast. I had a good time. I really did. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>